1: hey buddy hey. how you doing oh good i feel i'm so much more relaxed thank you helen i just feel like i'm excited and i feel relaxed and i'm ready to party with the best of them and i'm gonna go down to the river
0: <laughs> welcome to filmstrip
1: wow it looks like somebody's you're relaxing now
0: These podcasts will be spoiler filled and contain in-depth discussions of the plots, characters and themes. Yeah, wow. why are you guys talking about up here? Yeah. All content used or discussed in this podcast is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504 C2 Title 17. Welcome to Film Strip. I'm Jay I'm Anna. And this is our review of Bridesmaids, starring Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, Rose Byrne, and Melissa McCarthy. Released in 2011 on a budget of $32.5 million, went on to gross over $288 million, and was the surprise hit of the summer of 2011. So, Anna, we've spent a lot of time in all kinds of different films. Why are we talking about Bridesmaids?
1: Because we haven't really done a kind of female centric comedy before <laughs> this is this is kind of like a romantic slash female centric comedy and it was deemed the female version of the hangover
0: <laughs> yeah this is true so, i think we've done romantic comedies we've never done one that was the r rated kind of go for the Yeah that was kind feeling. of the raunchy yeah and i mean this thing was billed as you know Judd Apatow now takes his male you know sexist rude crude comedy style to the female side of things and he recruited you know some kind of wily comedians to go along with it i mean kristen wigg and my rudolph are snl alums and rose byrne is, has been known to do these kind of things i mean she'd been in a couple of movies with russell brand or at least one that i know of and has done a couple of other things too she's a funny person and you know, then they got the gold mine in Melissa McCarthy that nobody knew who that was. And this film really is to I guess to thank and to blame for the fact that she's in everything now. <laughs> I mean, she's played the same role several times at this point. But, uh, yeah, you know, I can say that I saw this in theaters. Uh, my wife and I went with some friends that young couple that were just like, hey, let's go see this. And we said, eh, OK, let's go try it. And, you know, we don't really go for the comedies that. Often we tend to not go to the theater for them but i can remember going in on opening weekend with this and it was a big crowd and uh everybody had a good time i mean this was a fun film and i've seen it probably half a dozen times since then and i think there's there's certainly a lot here it was a lot more than what i thought it was going to be to start with
1: i also saw it in the theaters i saw it with my best friend she lives in a separate city than i do we Planned a weekend, got together, and we kind of ran ran out of something to do, and it was not when it first opened, but a month or so after the movie had been, the movie had been out a while, and she was like, hey, let's go see Bridesmaids. I said, okay, and it was a cheap matinee thing, which you don't get very often anymore. And so I saw it, and I was pleasantly surprised. And I mean, when I was in the theater with my friend, who's my best friend, she was a bridesmaid at my wedding and stuff, Um, we were just laughing our butts off. We thought it was so funny. And then I get with my husband, and he—it's kind of like what he's like. I don't get this. I don't understand why everybody thought this was so funny. So that is why I haven't watched.
0: I think a lot of women have the same reaction to Judd Apatow films, though, when they see them. So for the most part, because they tend to have that same kind of response, like super bad. I don't know many women that like that movie. So you know, but every
1: I have not not seen. (laughs) that one but uh, most of his films i like like i liked 40 year old virgin
0: yeah that that was one of the that was one of the early ones that one was accessible from both sides of the aisle i think but
1: and i kind of like i guess maybe it's the same same issue with 40 year old virgin i like knocked up
0: yeah, so I like knocked up, except for the fact that Katherine Heigl's in it. But that's another another I, podcast for another day, because <laughs> I I don't go for her. But you know, not only is this you know the female driven comedy and it was R rated and all that, but it's over two hours long too. That's something you don't see in a comedy hardly ever.
1: No, and I think I will admit this: it does get at points where it kind of drags a little bit, especially in the middle. And mm. I. It's funny, don't get me wrong, but I did I did think there were point points where it continued to drag on and on and on and on and on a little bit till you're you're like like one thing I thought was kind of weird is they're like let's go to Vegas and then you know they get they get stopped by Homeland Security or something.
0: (laughs) Because she has a freak out on the plane, yeah. Well, before we get any further into this, why don't you give us a quick plot summary and then we can talk about the movie.
1: Kristen Wiig plays Annie, a romantically unattached failed bakery owner. Her fears she's losing her best friend Lillian when Lil announces her engagement. Annie's anxieties deepen as Lillian grows close to Helen Rose Byrne, a wealthy and beautiful new friend who quickly assumes control of planning all the pre-wedding activities. On top of this, Annie's love life is a mess as she's torn between undeniable Hunt Tom and sweet but simple Cop Rhodes. Annie eventually loses it at Lillian's wedding shower, and the two stop talking, plunging Annie into further despair. Eventually, Helen comes to Annie and helps her and Lillian reconcile. And in a final scene, everyone is at the elaborate wedding along with 80s group Wilson Phillips.
0: Wilson Phillips. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I kind of didn't know they were still alive, though.
0: Well, I thought one of them was dead, seriously. I think I even had that conversation with the people I was in the theater with. I was like, I thought one of these was dead, but no, apparently not, so. Well, let's kind of get into this a little bit and just talk about the characters. I think the movie's fairly straightforward, even for two hours long, but what do you make of Annie, Kristen Wig? I only know her from the little bit of SNL I've seen her in, and then the bit parts she's played in other things, like Adventureland and... Uh,
1: knocked up. Yeah, I like her when she did, like in Knocked Up when she was the TV executive. I like the Annie character, and I think Kristen Wiig did a good job, but she didn't do a great job. She did, maybe good's overstretching it. Maybe she did an adequate job, but she's just someone that I don't think she could carry a movie. And I mean, this is a surprise hit. I like the movie, don't get me wrong. I don't know if she just doesn't connect with the audience she seems kind of timid and like she seemed like a low talk talker like on you know on Seinfeld the people you can't hear (laughs) talk that's what it seemed like she was doing this whole movie was low talking and I couldn't understand what she was saying.
0: Yeah I get what you're saying I think she's playing someone who's supposed to be in this really bad place who normally is a a very bubbly person but has just gotten really down on herself and she doesn't have a lot of self-respect you know she's she lost her dream job, and along with that, she lost her guy. Along with that, because he left when the business failed, or before, something like that. And the only you know male attention she essentially has is from the cameo of John Hamm from Mad Men, who just plays this you know basically jerk that's just there for you know a good time, and then they're done. Well, yeah, they're so. they're like. They're they're
1: friends. I don't with, even call them friends.
0: <laughs> benefits would be. They're they're adults with benefits. That's pretty all well you can say there. But he he trades her out as fast as he can for another one. You know you you get the feeling. So she has nothing except her best friend, and then her best friend drops the bomb on her, and that's I'm getting married. You know Maya Rudolph, who another SNL alum. The only thing I know her from is SNL.
1: Well, I think also. Why Kristen Wiig might have seemed so subdued is because of uh, how Maya Rudolph and Rose Byrne played. Their yes. their characters were so over. And Melissa McCarthy. Oh, my God. How could I forget that? You know, they were so over the top and so, so out there and so yeah. in your face that I think it kind of took away from Kristen Wiig's performance a little. Well, it could if
0: she had tried to play it that big. I'll, I'll argue just a little bit that if she had tried to play it big like them, she would have failed. Because I don't think she has that type of personality she doesn't. or charisma or anything. The fact that she played it kind of low worked, in, especially in context of how everybody else around her was playing it so big. I don't think you could have had another person playing it big because not only do you have Rose Byrne and my Rudolph and Liz McCarthy play it big, you have the other blonde that plays it kind of big and you've got these other people. I mean, John Hamm is playing it big. Everybody in the movie except the, the cop and her are playing it big and they both kind of play it low key. And that's why, you know, she works in this role. I'll go with her in this because I, I can actually believe she's the character she's playing you know oftentimes you watch people and they're trying to play something and you're like yeah you don't really come off like a failed bakery owner but i kind of bought it with her i i think this the subtlety and the subdued sort of depressed way she plays it works for her
1: and i would agree with that i guess my bottom line is just the low talking but to me that drove me nuts the whole movie it was like she it was it was like she was a character on saturday night live i don't think it it's kind of like the Penelope character she did on Saturday Night Live where she's like, yeah, I know. I did this and I went this and stuff. And I actually, ironically, today at lunch, I was watching um, a Saturday Night Live skit with her because I didn't have a whole lot of time. And I was flipping through some skits. I do when I don't have a lot of time. And um, a skit called The Californians, which I've been watching them, but they're just so daggum funny. She, like, you could understand her, she was not as, as a Maya Rudolph, but she, it's just the low talking got on my nerves to know, and, and then the con- constant, like, wanting to get with John Hamm, that got on my nerves too, but anyway.
0: I think that's all parts of her character. Because the thing about Annie is we're supposed to sympathize with her. Uh-huh. But I would wonder, are we really supposed to like her? Because she makes some pretty awful choices in this movie. I mean, yes. she, she hooks up with the wrong guy. She actually meets the right guy and she treats him like crap. You know, the, the cop. She... It really gets over jealous because her best friend meets a new friend who'll be her future sister in law or something like that, and is you know she's. In,
1: no, I think it's their I was, like.
0: I was gonna ask, who is Helen? I couldn't remember what Helen was supposed to be.
1: She is her Helen's husband and Maya Rudolph's fiance work together. Is my understand? Is how I understood it.
0: Okay, that makes that makes more sense now that they're. they're
1: and you know, to that. Helen has like the stepchildren that because they're at the country club. That's and right,
0: and they hate her. I
1: love that say <laughs> where she—they're like, "Oh, they're so cute." They're like, you know, "Screw you, woman," or whatever. Yeah, I,
0: yeah, they hate her, but but that's that's the thing is I think. you're supposed to feel sorry for her, but in the same light, she does some really awful things. I mean, her, let's talk about Rose Byrne's character for just a minute, because we've talked about that she plays it kind of big and stuff. She is the trophy wife, essentially, uh, in, in this thing, and she so desperately wants to be one of the normal girls, which is what, Uh, Lillian and, and Annie are, but she's not because she's insanely wealthy. She's gorgeous and she doesn't have a care in the world, but she tries to act like she does. First world problems is, you know, what I think of when I think of her.
1: (laughs) Well, I was thinking she reminds me of these, um, people that have, that just have too much time on their hands. And I'm not going to pick on any particular group, but I mean, I just think of people like, retirees, you know, where you don't have, like, a real demanding job or anything, and I, she just reminds me of someone who has a ton... It, I mean...
0: Too much she, time. She, too
1: much time yeah. on her hands and you just hit it on the head. She's this trophy wife without a care in the world she probably doesn't have to do anything with her stepkids because obviously they hate her and they probably have a real mom who does the real work and so she has nothing to do but plan these uh, this elaborate what she has unlimited resources to plan this elaborate wedding and these elaborate parties to go with it
0: exactly and that's why she and of course she is the exact opposite of annie in that case because annie has nothing yeah, he's yeah, less than nothing, can't get a decent job. She's working in a jewelry store, she's miserable, you know, I that's the thing is she has and Annie's supposed to be the maid of honor, so you know, that means she's in charge of doing all this other stuff and she really has no resources to pull any of that off. Well, Helen's got all the resources, but the thing she doesn't have is the connection with Lillian that Annie does. You know, and that's sort of the point of the whole thing is that Annie gets caught up in the fact that Helen's got all these material resources and she thinks that's wooing Lillian over. And in some way, I guess it is. But what she has with Lillian is something um, Helen can never have. And that's kind of what the, the realization Helen comes to, and it's how she's able to sort of get them back together and stuff, and they're able to all be friends in the end. But it's hilarious how all that happens. And I'll say this movie gets one thing right. The first act is is all set up on these characters, and just giving us little bits of everybody, and we get to meet her. We meet Melissa McCarthy at the uh, reception, and she's... Every line she delivers is hilarious. She's just so... Crude and out of character and doesn't know when to stop, and you know, she's <laughs> hilarious.
1: What's so funny about Melissa McCarthy, just stop you for a second, is that I had never seen Mike and Molly until and and then she plays Mike and Molly so subdued as compared to this I'm like what
0: <laughs> see because I've never watched that show and I wanted to ask if you had because I don't know what else she plays everything I've seen her in I relate to this because this is what I've seen her do now
1: she's the regular girl if Annie and Lillian are the regular girls in this she is the reg she's got a mom and a sister who are nothing but like these pot smokers she's this school teacher and she's over the years she's dated lived with engaged to mike and they all live with her mother and her sister and it's just it's just hilarious and she um she's just a lot more subdued she doesn't kind of have that um kind of gross kind of look about her that she has at this and um you know so she it's she you know she's put together she's a professional and stuff and she's a lot more subdued and she's a lot more of a regular girl like like we would describe annie and lillian
0: that's funny to hear you say because like you say she plays such a disgusting person but at the same light you can't take her eyes
1: Oh yeah, when I watched Mike and Molly, I was like, Oh my goodness, she is so pretty. I honestly that's one of the first thoughts that came in my head when I saw when I watched Mike and Molly. <laughs> 'Cause I I just seen her in this and I'm my mom had talked about it, and I'm like, Okay, I have thirty minutes and I don't want to and my husband doesn't watch it. So I said, Okay, I got thirty minutes by myself. I'll flip this on and see what it's see what all the fuss is about and um she yeah she's the kind of like straight person by all she and mike are the straight people the subdued people and everyone around them is just playing it up like from her mom and her sister her mom and her sister are just absolutely hilarious and um his mom is absolutely hilarious so it's really really it's it's really a different aspect ever
0: the thing is she's so huge here and so plays it so big i mean that she's just another big personality on the screen and what you're watching slowly through the first act which really kind of breaks at the first gathering i guess the engagement announcement party at helens or whatever where there's the dueling women giving the speech thing going back and forth you're watching annie kind of shrink inside of all of this you know she's sort of starting to do like you say that low talk thing and she's getting real inside of herself and she's becoming incredibly incredibly insecure more insecure than she normally is and it's all just getting worse and worse everything that happens here on out and that's where we meet the rest of the bridesmaids, and we've got all these people. And now it's we have to plan all these different things. And then the second act is all this stuff that just goes haywire, you know, the the dress fitting bit, and which is you want to me now, This is where I knew Judd Apatow had some hand in this somewhere, because that whole dress fitting scene where they all kind of lose it and have, all have to have a emergency restroom break we'll just leave it at that um that (laughs) went on a long time but you know what it it worked i i didn't think you could do that kind of thing in a female-centric comedy i'd never seen it before certainly but it was hilarious
1: it wasn't as a person who i was not a i was not a bridezilla by any stretch of the imagination you could ask my husband you could ask my friends i didn't I was not like that, but I know so many women who are and it's just a pet peeve and I just was like cracking up that just to imagine like all their weddings have to be perfect and everything has to do this and everything has to do that and I I get why they wanna do it and that's all well and good and that, if that works for you that's fine. But it just it's just a pet peeve of mine. I see these bridezillas and I have a coworker who's going through she's like in her fourth wedding and she was saying something in a meeting a couple weeks ago that it's something like this summer or this fall and she has to grow her hair out like they all have (laughs) to have hair a certain length and we were all looking at her like are you serious she goes yeah she's a bridezilla." so i mean (laughs) just silly stuff like that i hear people i hear both ends of it and i'm just you know just imagine them in this nice bridal salon or something, and then they had all that bad Brazilian food, and they have to go, like, like,
0: up I mean, yeah, that that had life. to be one of those. You just burned the building down, but the yeah. I think I think the best one of all of that. My Rudolph probably gets the best thing because she just sort of slowly shrinks onto the ground with that huge white wedding dress. She looks like a duck, <laughs> you know, and she just <laughs> she just sits in the street and she's like, it's it's happening, it's it's happening, you know, <laughs> and it just goes on. And I remember people were just roaring oh yeah
1: they were, we were i was just laughing me and my friend were just laughing our butts off like oh my god and like if you got you, you yeah i mean being a man you probably never been in one but no. you know <laughs> you go in and they're all i mean they're making a sale they work on commission so it's like they're like oh can i help you oh yes this looks oh you want to do this oh you want oh you want the most elaborate the most this and the most that and um and 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 i will say this and my experience when I was looking for a uh, wedding dresses is like, I was always looking for the simplest one. I did not want anything really ornate. Cause that's not mine was a little more is, is a long story, but I go in and every woman is it like I'm at David's bridal and I'm in this nice, simple, just a link, just some satin or something on it. And these, I, I go into the women next to me are like in these, gaudy it looks like they're from the 80s you know bridal <laughs> dresses that are like the silk and the satin and they got beads and jewels and it's crap all over it and and of course, the people are like, oh, yes, you, you know, you look fabulous. You look great. You look that. So just to think that, that, you know, they come in and do that. And then, you know, some stupid bride's going to come in after them and be like, what the hell happened in here? So, <laughs> so
0: I mean, I, I just mean,
1: thought it was hilarious.
0: Oh, it was, it was great. And, but it's one of the funniest moments of the thing, but it's also a revealing moment because you realize that in spite of her best intentions, Annie really is not suited to be the maid of honor. No. You know, she she really is taking everything way too personally. She's going to freak out over stuff. And right now in her life, she's not able to handle anything. So, she, you know, she's just in constant freak out mode. And I, I think it was, and it's only having seen it a few times I started to realize this, is that this is the first clue that nothing Annie plans is going to work. Like, it's all going to go bad no matter what she does, no matter how good her intentions are. It's all going to go bad for her.
1: Not that she's not ready to do this. I think this is when you start to get that age, and it seems like they're supposed to be about, you know, mid-30s, which we can relate to. Right. um, (laughs) When you get about that age, and I've noticed this, is that you start to have your childhood friends which could be i mean they don't have to be from childhood or high school even but they could be from college or something like that you kind of have your child what i call childhood friends and then you start getting your work friends like your professional right friends and and if you ever have gotten them together it's like two different sets you're not necessarily like two i don't know if you're two different people but you have evolved when you've met these work friends. And that's kind of what Helen is to Lillian. She's a work friend. They're, you know, their husbands work together. It's a work friend. You're mature. You're evolved. You're an adult when you meet them versus your childhood friend who, if it's like a college friend, knows, you know, the dude you picked up in the bar in college, you know, and don't want to tell anybody about or when you're in Elementary school, you ate paste.
0: Yeah, and so. and these two grew up together. You know, yeah, that's that's the thing is that this is like what um Bette Midler and Barbara Hershey would have been if you know one of them hadn't died in beaches. You know this was this is what they were. You know they were that kind of friends, and so that's why it's supposed to be. I think that's why you're supposed to side with Annie. And think, oh, Helen's this evil twit, you know, blah, blah, blah. She's just horning in or whatever. But I think you you put a fine point on it there. Helen represents that mature adult friend. And Annie represents the childhood friend. So Lily's the one that's kind of torn in this thing.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's it just goes even further to show that they're at different places in life.
0: Let's talk about the next thing that goes completely wrong. We, we got to have the bachelorette party, right? Right. And Annie's trying to do something real subtle. Well, and, they all you know, really
1: kind of browbeat her.
0: Oh, totally. Do, because for for, for for different reasons, they all want to get out of town. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and they want to go to Vegas. So this whole elaborate thing starts with them. They're going to go to Vegas, and they get on the plane. And, of course, she has to ride and coach. And... I, this is some of the funniest stuff Kristen Wiig does, is when she keeps trying to sneak back into first class after she's had, I don't know, a Xanax and a couple of shots of vodka. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is, uh, you were just here. No, no, I wasn't. You were wearing sunglasses. <laughs> Her and the, uh, the, whoever the, uh, flight attendant are, the, they had a good little tete-a-tete there.
1: Oh yeah, they did. It was really, really funny. That, and that's, that kind of stuff is where Kristen Wiig shines, I think.
0: I I agree. I think in the, it's in the one-on-one, the smaller scenes is where she's able to really do her best stuff.
1: She's very good. Like in knocked up where she was the executive and she's, she's very good. And I don't know if it's because she was on Saturday night live for so long, but she's, her her talent is in stealing a scene but not really doing much.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I don't know that she can carry a single scene and I don't know that she does in this film, but she's very good at when she has her moments and this is one of her moments here yeah. is the freak out on the airplane. Where she you know completely loses it and basically gets them thrown <laughs> off. The <laughs> plane and has to, the to land.
1: Gody's that guy.
0: Uh, <laughs> like, your homeland well, security. The, guard. the funny thing, and I didn't know this until much later, that is her real life husband.
1: Oh, so, I didn't know that.
0: She, he's an actor, apparently, and she got him to come on and do that little role just to have somebody play <laughs> off of him. And she's the scene stealer, too, because she gets all those great one-liners in between Annie's one-liners. It may be one of the funniest bits in the whole film are when those two are just able to riff like that. And they're not even working together at that point. That's the funny part is you have you have two of the, the best comedians in in their element right there. And the whole thing is they get the flight grounded because Annie essentially makes some terrorist threat, <laughs> so it's a wonder she doesn't wind up in prison.
1: And the dude has to come out. she's like, "I knew you were homeland secure've
0: I've got your back, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is hilarious. <laughs> so you're an Air Marshal John, so yeah, but that's when everything gets wrested away from Annie in terms of responsibility for the wedding. They're on a bus ride back to wherever they're from, Wisconsin. And that's when uh, Lillian drops it on her. And it was, you can just see, you know, she's supposed to be so crushed. Now, this is the thing I'll ding Kristen Wiig for a little bit. I don't think she plays hurt very well or very believable at all. She looked kind of mildly annoyed.
1: Very, that's another reason why I think it's very hard to like this character because she's not remorseful she just looks like annoyed annoyed and it's the same scene i know i'm skipping but it's the same scene with the cop you know she he he is trying you know she's gone through hell and back she's got her little screw buddy she's you know she's got to go this stupid wedding and she's not mentally or financially prepared to for the responsibilities and stuff. Her mom which I think is funny and I meant to mention this earlier but her mom's an AA but not an alcoholic. <laughs> and then, um, in which I have to say I think this was one of the last roles. You could tell she was kind of sick.
0: I, but, it was her last roles. It was of the thing. last yeah. role
1: Jill Claiborne, pl- Claiborne played.
0: That's right. It's the last thing she did.
1: Finally she's got this good guy who's encouraging her and doing everything you know she has been missing oh and god don't mention the god awful roommate the british roommates but um she's finally got a positive in her life and like you said she just treats him like she's just annoyed he's there it's like she's just kind of like okay well let me have my and it's the same thing with the scene with my rudolph just let me have my pity party and let's move on, okay? Well, uh,
0: here's here's my take on the guy, all right? On on Chris O'Dowd, who plays Rhodes, the the you know state trooper or whatever. Mm-hmm. He is everything you said. He's encouraging. He's a nice guy. All this stuff. But Annie's experience with men up to this point is that there's only so much that they want, and then they're done. And I think it, in kind of a flip on the romantic twist of this is she's waiting for him to okay, thanks a lot and be gone. And he's wanting to hang around and cook eggs and snuggle the day after. And she's not used to that and hasn't had anybody pay her that kind of attention in a long time, particularly not John Hamm. And so she doesn't know how to react to it. And that's the thing is you've seen people like this. I've seen it with friends of mine. You have too. I'm sure. Everybody's experiences when there's just too much change going on in somebody's life, and there's just it 's too much at once and they just can't handle it and that's how i I look at the way she treats him I don't agree with the way she treats him. I just think that's why she's doing what she's doing is because she's so ready for him to just drop the hammer on her, and he never does you know even when she, you know she goes out of her way to you know, blow him off and annoy him. Eventually, she still gets to him. So you can tell he cares about her.
1: You can. And, I mean, you're rooting for them. And that's the one thing I have to say when I watch this. I was rooting for them. I, you know, I'm like, oh, they've, you know, they've got to get together. They have to, And that's the very small romantic comedy aspect of it but you're rooting for them he's a great he's adorable the cute little accent you know he's funny he's encouraging you know he's uh, but i guess maybe it's that saying they say like like um i was watching a saturday night live clip recently with the girl who plays ariana huffington and she, she says something about paul ryan like he's got he's got the muscles, he's got the money, but if you've seen a Lifetime movie, you know he's gonna kill you. Or something <laughs> like that. I mean, or something, or how they always say, like, you don't want to be with the guy you can take home to mom, because they're boring.
0: So but, I think you hit it, is, is Annie wants this she thinks she wants this exciting, you know, uh, crazy life or whatever. And I guess that's kind of what John Hamm's supposed to be for her. But in reality, she couldn't live that life. She wouldn't do that. No more than she could be Helen and live in Helen's world. You know, she needs the normalcy, but she's rejecting all of that. And I think all of that finally comes to a head at the um, shower. That's, you know, the most elaborate wedding shower I've ever seen in my life. You get pink lemonade at the gate. (laughs) You're handed a free puppy at the the door. She
1: she, uh, she pulls up in this beat up old car that's on its last leg and they hand her this pink lemonade. And I think she says something like, oh, God, that's good.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. She wants to hate it, but it's so good she can't deny it. And it is the most ridiculous looking thing. And then I think, you know, right before this, and I'll say this, you you mentioned it before, you thought the film dragged. The second act to me goes on way too long. There's just too much of everything going bad for Annie and everything going bad yeah. for Annie. You they pile it that.
1: on a little bit too much.
0: Yeah, you could have cut a little bit of that for me and I'd have been fine. But nevertheless, it all culminates in that part where Helen gives... Uh, Lily and a trip for two. The two of them are gonna go to Paris together before uh, the wedding. And I'm like, Kristen Wig is like, "Are you effing kidding me?" And she's right in the middle of the party, and just drops the the bomb on both of them. And that that is probably one of the best go arounds between. Two female comedians I've ever seen because her and Maya Rudolph absolutely go at each other's throats.
1: Oh, I like the um the part where she says, "Well, I know who bleaches her anus because I went there and had it done myself, <laughs> or something."
0: I like, like my that. new one, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah. It's just like, I like it like that, but. It, what I thought, what I heard, even though I laughed, I laughed my butt off, it was absolutely hilarious. But what I think that also is saying, and they, they could have done this a whole lot in the second act, they could have made this a lot clearer and can, and con- made it more concise and condensed and stuff, is that Kristen Wigg is, got, has all this bad stuff happening to her, Annie does, and then, She's coming to the realization that she's losing her best friend. And that has, that kinda accumulates at this, this party. Yes. Yeah. She's like, okay, I've lost everything now, now I'm losing my best friend, the only thing I've had.
0: And that is the one thing she can't stand to let go of. You know, you mentioned before right. that there's little bits of romantic comedy in here with her and John Hamm and and Chris Adab the the cop guy. But really the, the relationship here is about these three women and yeah. really it's Helen and her trying to learn how to share the friend. You know, and she doesn't know how to do it because everything else in her life has been taken away and she's just not going to let one more thing get taken. I mean, that's how I've always read it.
1: Right. And I, I agree. I agree with that assessment as well. And I think that the and going back to the wedding shower, I think the wedding shower just was and, and didn't they give away puppies at the wedding? Yes, shower they did. did.
0: And I think Melissa McCarthy is right, well, just something like I, I, I took like seven one. or something like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's going down the road with all these uh, pieces. She's like, don't tell anybody, but I took 10.
0: The whole thing is that it's basically the nuclear meltdown that we've been waiting yes. to happen.
1: And this was, the, this was the, and like you said before, this was the one thing I think everything else. And maybe she had just been pushed to her brink. Like some people that are laid back, laid back, laid back. Then bam, something breaks the, something so that somebody pushes them one inch too far and they just blow up when it's been a series of things that's been pushing them and pushing them and pushing them over the edge. And I think that's kind of what it is in this perspective, too. But she has realized that she's losing her best friend. That's
0: exactly what it is. And she leaves there basically disinvited from the wedding. She's not in the wedding party anymore. She's, you know, moved back in with her mother. She's got nothing and she's just moping on the couch. And it's Melissa McCarthy who comes Uh over there and you know gives her this whole bit like i'm i'm hearing somebody here that's just just feeling real sorry for themselves and they're talking about how they have no friends well well, i'm a friend i'm right here she gives her this whole tough love and all this stuff and she but she's doing it with that that deadpan delivery
1: and they (laughs) could have done that like five scenes before not dragged
0: out well yeah and that's the thing is that it's good but it goes on a little long like that for me i was like okay i'm i'm there we can we can move on from this now it's it goes on just a little bit too long but it's effective because you see that it's not good enough it's not enough to get her in the right frame of mind, because I mean, she, she quit, she gets fired from her job because she calls some teenage girl a terrible, you know, name and gets in a fight with her over, you know, your best friend's going to break up with you. I know it. You know, she's projecting onto everything around her, all this negative stuff that's happened to her. And it's not until Helen knocks on her door and, um, you know, really fesses up to her that, your worst fears are true. I have been trying to horn in on your friendship because I, I have, you know, this seemingly perfect life, but the thing I don't have is a real friend. And I want, uh, Lillian to be my friend too. And so I decided this was my one way to get her. And, but I didn't realize what it was doing to you until now. And I thought that was a really good scene, you know, for, for her and Rose Byrne to have. And then the whole car ride where they go and they have to try to get the cops' attention is hilarious. But I, I liked the – that was, the like, the most poignant thing in the whole film was that point.
1: Right. And like I said, they – like we've said two or three times, they could have put that whole thing five scenes before and the movie wouldn't have dragged so much.
0: Exactly. Yeah, if they had done that a little bit sooner it would have worked, but and I think the the different ways they have to try to annoy the cop goes on a little bit long too. That was I mean, it was like, okay, how many times are we going to ride by? You know, no, yeah, what different gag are we going to do now? It's like they, they filmed a bunch of them thinking, okay, we'll cut a bunch of those. And then just and decided did. to keep it. Yeah, for, for whatever reason. But the whole thing is it gets her – Lillian kind of goes missing. She has the bride freakout moment, which I don't know. Yep. Do, do brides have those? Did you have that moment?
1: No, but I'm not – don't go by me. I'm not <laughs> – I did have my best friend who was my um, – maid of honor mm-hmm. so we it was just me I, I remember this and I'll remember this till I die we, we were at the church and I, I guess my dad was with me because he had to walk me down the aisle but he probably wasn't paying attention <laughs> and she's like um and because yeah he was all nervous about doing it doing it wrong stuff is really cute but um she, it was just me her and him and she's like she's like we can run right now if you want to I was like, like no, nah, I've made it this far. I might as well. I might as well go through with it. She's like, well, I'm, she's like, I'm just telling you, we can. She's like, there's the limo right there. There's a driver. We can run and and we're done with this. She's like, I'll go with you. We'll take. I said, nah. She goes, if you if you have any doubts, we'll run. I don't have any problem with it. I said, nah. I'll go. I, said, nah, I'll go, I said, nah. I'll go through it. I said, I made it this far. Well, and
0: I think that's the kind of moment that Annie and Lillian finally have when they, you know. Annie finds her in her apartment, and she's just sort of stressed out from wedding planning and all that. And as it turns out, Helen is the perfect party planner, but she's too perfect. It's too much. It's too much stuff. It's way more than what she wanted or wanted to deal with. And so now she's in this thing, like, how do I get out of this stuff? And they find respite in one another and kind of make up there. And I'll say the one thing this film does right because I've I complained that it goes on a little bit too long or whatever. They get the makeup between her and uh Annie done really fast because the next thing is the wedding and Wilson Phillips is singing. You know, right. I mean they they don't waste any time getting to the end of the thing, which I thought was a good idea because this movie's gone on way too long at this point. We needed to have something. So to get, to get us to that wedding and get it over with.
1: We did, and I think it worked. it worked out pr- perfectly now, I might be misinterpreting this or it might be my memory failing me, but I thought she was freaking out the day of the wedding, so there was nothing left to do but do the wedding
0: yeah it was it was right there at the end, and she yeah but they the, drug
1: out like a few hours
0: yeah the reason she was freaking out is and as it turns out is she didn't have her friend there with her, and that's what she had been missing yeah. all along was all the last bits of planning Annie hadn't been around for any of it, even hadn't been around to screw it up, you know? So there was no, it wasn't what, what Lillian wanted. And so when she finally gets what she wants, we go to the wedding and not only does Wilson Phillips sing their, you know, big hit hold on and everybody's happy and stuff, but the cop shows up and you get this sense that, yeah, they are going to get together after all. So you get what you want. Everybody gets what they want in the end of the thing.
1: That's good. I think no, you have to have happy that. It's a feel. Yeah. It's a comedy. I mean, think of the, uh, like, knocked up, think of 40-year-old version. You know, everybody gets what they want, you know, in the end. And, you know, it's a comedy. You can't have people dying. Yeah, so.
0: exactly. I mean, I think, I think you get what you want, but you have, you've made a journey along the way. That's the one thing Judd Apatow does. I think the only time he misfires on that is funny people, which is not a funny movie at all, and I wouldn't recommend to anyone. But, uh, but I think that one's a a little different, but the rest of his, they all seem to wrap with this is you've got people that have been through a lot and they're certainly not the same as they were when they started, but they're better off for having gone through whatever it is they've gone through, you know, and that's the journey. Exactly. But of all of those films, of all of the stuff, this one by far is the lightest touch of all of them. And I kind of like the fact that it, even as serious as it gets, sometimes it's still pretty light and it's still funny in the end and it plays itself for laughs the whole way
1: i know but it wasn't um i'm surprised what's her name his wife leslie mann wasn't in this
0: i am too i think it's only because it was about all these other women and not about you know he uses leslie mann to play against the guys he likes to cast because as he i've heard him say it before it's, he said it's the only woman i know that could put up with the the guys that i like to hang out with yeah. So, well, now this is all about the women and what they get to do. So, you had to find guys that could play off of that, and the guys in this are largely forgettable. But they're, you know, they're they play little archetypes and they do their thing and then they're done. You know, what I wanted, I wanted John Hamm to show up and just hook up with some random person at the wedding. I, I needed to see that. They probably couldn't get him off Mad Men to do it, but it would it would have been funny just to see him, I mean, you know, the ultimate you player. You should have in hell
1: like like heaven i don't know
0: i was gonna say like driving off a cliff or something or say so, you're know, getting arrested by that cop or something yeah, like that, that been with an underage vietnamese hooker or something. i don't know i'm <laughs> that I'm, been funny. I'm helping the movie way too much at that point well i think we're at the point of the podcast where it's time to give our final thoughts recommendations and popcorn ratings so what are yours for bridesmaids um
1: i will give this i'm in between it's A medium large. I'm in between a medium and a large because it's very funny. It's very female, female centric, and it's very female centric, which is actually kind of weird for me because I usually don't. I I I usually don't go for female centric movies like this, but um, never mind. Strike that out. Let me go back. I I give it between a medium and a large. I think it's very funny. It's, um, I can relate to it a little bit. I think most women, and if you've ever been in a wedding or planned a wedding, you can totally, unless you're just so self-absorbed, you have no idea what you put your wedding party through, or you have no idea you're the wedding planner from hell, then, um, you can relate to this. And I, I really think it's something like you should see with your girlfriends or something. I mean, cause I saw it with my girlfriend. I loved it. My husband's just like, okay, I don't get this.
0: Well, I'll tell you now, I think you can go ahead and give this thing a large popcorn. I think the quality's there. It's definitely adult entertainment, or for adults, I should say, not adult entertainment. It's definitely entertainment for adults. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely entertainment for adults, but on that level... I think there's a lot of humor here. There's a lot of fun to be had. But I don't think this is something you can consume by yourself. This is definitely a movie to watch with a group of people. I agree. And usually a group of people that are going to at least go with <clears throat> that same template of humor. If if you've got friends like that, this is a good one to throw in for that. So I'll go large popcorn on it as well. It's one of the better comedies I've seen put out in the last several years. I mean, there's a glut of them right now, and most of them work on some levels and then fail pretty largely on others. This one mostly works on just about everything. My only ding is that it goes on a little bit too long, but even beyond that, still pretty darn good, and uh, I I will give it to the the uh, recommendation on that level too. So, Anna, thanks for joining me for this one. Another fun podcast. As always, we've got more stuff coming up folks. You can check out archives and our brand new built webpage. It looks a little different. Now you actually can look on a blog roll on the side and you see keywords that will take you to the different kinds of film series. We've done We've done alien. We've done the born series. We've done the leprechaun films <laughs> We we'll go way back. Anna and I did like Caddyshack and romantic comedies and all kinds of stuff. We've done the Batman movies, Lots of cool stuff there for you to check out and enjoy. You can also find a link to our sister podcast, The Art of Slang, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer Retrospective. You can hear Brian and I talk about every episode of The Buffy Show. We're in the middle of uh, releasing for season five as the recording and release of this podcast. So lots of stuff there for you to listen and enjoy. Catch up with us on Facebook and Twitter, and hey, if you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. It gives us a good chance to get out in front of more people like yourself. So, until next time, for Anna, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to Filmstrip. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Kun Ben Song Nong Chan Song Chan Jack At My Ben It means you are a part of me, a part that I could never live without. And I hope and I pray. That i never have to visit our website continuousplaypodcast.com for more reviews and episodes
1: this is all ours it's like a big dish for us this plus this explosion
0: all content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the fair use act section 504 c2 title 17.